Hello, welcome to Betsy Goes to the Movies. I'm Betsy, and today's episode is all about Die Hard to make up for the Star Wars holiday special last week. This is my kind of movie. It's action-packed, funny, and it really made me get into it, as you can tell, since most of my commentary involves me yelling at the characters. It was released by 20th Century Fox in 1988, and it was directed by John McTiernan. It was written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. D'Souza, and based on the novel by Roderick Thorpe. It stars Bruce Willis as John McLean, Bobby Bedelia as Hani Gennaro, Gennaro McLean, Reginald Bell Johnson as Sergeant Al Powell, and Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber, and it's available on Amazon. My little podcast blurb now. My podcast episodes are released every Wednesday. I post updates and episode notes on my website at BetsyGoesToTheMovies.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BetsyGoesToTheMovies for news and updates. If you have a funny, campy, cheesy, so bad it's good, or just plain bad movie suggestion, you can message me on social media or email me at BetsyGoesToTheMovies at gmail.com. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to podcasts. And enjoy! Okay, so I don't do Christmas. Never, ever liked it after I became an adult. Really started somewhere in teenage years. Anyway, not my thing. And I absolutely, with every fiber of my being, hate Christmas music and Christmas movies. And that comes from working retail in malls. So my thing, usually I just do massive gaming marathons, but I didn't this year. Instead, I have decided to do something that I say I'm going to do every year and never do, and that is watch Die Hard. I have not seen Die Hard since it was last century. It's been that long ago. It was like in the 90s. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember him walking barefoot on glass, and I remember, I vaguely remember the woman who was in it. This viewing is going to fall in the category of how did this movie stand up to the test of time? And I remember really enjoying it a lot. And I've watched some pretty bad movies the last couple of days, so I feel like I deserve a good one. All right, so here we go. Also, I had such a massive crush on both Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. What the hell? So, toe fists are a thing that help you feel better after air travel. Definitely don't remember that. Uh, the days when you could just walk on an airplane with a gun and say, oh, it's cool, I'm a cop, and smoke in airports. I know smoking is supposed to be bad, but Bruce Willis makes it look so sexy. All right, we're now at a Christmas party. It's the holiday party for the Nakatomi Corporation. Holly, that's her name. All right, Holly McLean is some big shot in the company, has her own office and secretary. Do people still wait for passengers in airports holding up cards with their names on them? Okay, Argyle is annoying. Argyle is the limo driver who was waiting for McLean at the airport with the sign that said J.M. McLean, which is what led me to ask if people still do that. And he's young, and he used to be a cabbie, and now he's driving limos, and he's very presumptuous, and I feel like McLean has an infinite amount of patience that I do not possess. I didn't know this was based on a novel. Argyle is incredibly obsessed with McLean's personal life. Oh, that's sweet. He's offering to help him find a place to stay. That's nice of him. He's he's really looking out for him. Okay, that makes up for some of the annoying chatter, whatever. All right, so John McLean is in the building. Argyle, being the super awesome, nice guy he is, is gonna hang out in the parking garage and wait to find out if John's got a place to go or not. That was really nice of him. All right, at the party, this is a very elaborate lobby. Even has a waterfall. They hand him something red in a plastic cup and tell him it's champagne. 
<laughs> this is great. John meets Takagi, who is the head of the company and who's taking him to Holly's desk. Well, there's this idiot, Ellis, who's been trying to sleep with her and she keeps turning him down and who's hanging out at her desk claiming to use the phone, gets up sniffing like crazy. And John just kind of whispers as he walks by, you miss him. Oh, Ellis is so annoying. He's so annoying. He's essentially trying to show off the fact that he's trying to have this relationship with Holly and he's showing it off to John, who is way more of a man than he'll ever be. Oh, office romance. It gets such a great start when people get drunk at holiday parties. All right, tender touching moment. It's a pretty cool bathroom. The chirping you hear in the background, that's Sonny. He's decided it's time for his dinner 30 minutes early because at 16 pounds, he's about to wither up and blow away. All right, back to the movie. We're starting to get down to the action. So the Pacific Courier truck is in the garage. Two of his men are inside. I like their tech geek. He's cool. Carl is making his way through the building just annihilating people. Oh, Alan Rickman. I was really, really upset when he died. I love how their tech guy is sitting there just humming to himself while he makes everything happen. I know, bud. Not dinner time. You are not dying of starvation. You will last another 20 minutes. I know. Wow, he's got so many people. Oh my god, it's the guy from Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I love him. He's a fantastic martial artist and he's in so much stuff and I adore him. He's one of my favorite 80s bad guys. Ooh, I should do big trouble in Little China. All right, building a bomb. Oh, look at all those wires. I remember when that was normal. Well, we got our first clue something's wrong. All the communications are cut. Carl's kind of a dick. This is definitely days before cell phones and they just casually slide out of the elevator with fully automatic weapons. All right, gunfire. They're pulling everyone out into the lobby. They don't realize that John's still there. He's in her office. He's got his sidearm, no shoes. A couple got interrupted mid-coitus. And he's running up. Ellis is losing his shit. I bet the coke's probably wearing off right about now. That is a trippy floor. So McLean comes out and he's on a floor that's under construction and it's full of glass panels. It's like a maze, but you can see through everything. So another cool thing about this movie, I grew up in the 80s and the whole Cold War nuclear nuclear threat was a thing and it was prevalent in everything just every movie all over the news but it was always centered around Russia and then this movie comes along and it's Germany and granted at this time Germany was still divided you had eastern and western Germany and eastern Germany was a communist nation it was just kind of cool that it was from someone who was not Russian all right and skipping through all of the stuff where Gruber explains why he's there and why he's taking them hostage I'm pretty sure most of you listening have seen this movie and can go back and look all right McLean keeps going up flights. Finally, he's going back down. But he does see them wheeling a missile. I love the dichotomy of Goober's Goober. Gruber is so posh, so elegant, so refined. His cohorts have no problem being thugs. It's a simple request, really. They only want 640 million in bearer bonds. Okay, so they're in Takagi's office where Hans is basically trying to coerce him into turning over the computer code. McLean has managed to find them. So what is the point in threatening somebody with shooting when you need them to give you information? Seriously, dude? Okay, wait, hold on. So first of all, he's being all sly and sneaky, and then somehow he has to roll away and make a rattling sound, which they hear through closed glass doors from probably 100 feet away. Yeah, like you could barely hear it as a listener, much less somebody who's closed off by glass in another room. Anyway, proceeding. I am so sorry, John. Argyle is completely letting you down. All of his henchmen are these blonde Northern European, except for your Chinese henchman, the bot computer tech guy, and one random white guy with dark hair. Everyone else is blonde and Germanic. 
Yeah, see, it was better to run away than stick around and be killed. Also, that is a very un-German accent, speaking German. So, McLean is back on the weird floor with all of the open glass, the one that's under construction. And here comes goon number one. I'm sure he has a real name. I just haven't actually learned it. He is, I'm sure you're shocked, tall, very well-built, and blonde, and Germanic. So, if you are a bad guy and you are going to try to talk somebody out of hiding, jumping around a piece of furniture or an obstacle and immediately firing a fully automatic weapon is not really going to inspire confidence and make that person want to trust you. Oh, that's cute. He tells McLean that he's not going to hurt him because he's a policeman and there are rules. And McLean's like, yeah, whatever, dude. He's trying to put him through drywall, which is not really that solid. The door, however, is. So are the stairs that they are now rolling down. Dude's dead. <laughs> he tests that out by just like grabbing his head up by the hair and dropping it. All right, so if this were a video game, McCain would have upgraded. He now has bigger, better weapons and ammunition and a zippo. Unfortunately, he does not have shoes that fit. <laughs> McLean does have a twisted sense of humor. I love it. There's so many things about this movie I love. So Gruber's doing his whole, I tried to be civilized, you know, like he didn't just blow somebody's head off. And the elevator door dings. The guy he sent is in an office chair with a Santa hat. And on his sweatshirt, it says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. So they're German, the terrorists are German. Right. I really like that they actually speak German to each other. They don't speak English with a German accent. Ellis is such a wuss. He is such a ballsack. Ah, John. So he goes and sends out an SOS over the radio, which of course gets picked up by the terrorists because of course they have radios because that's where he got his. And of course they now know where he is in the building because the best place to transmit is from the roof. Wow. Carl just loaded a harpoon gun. They have amazing hair. The cop buying the donuts cliche. Conveniently, the convenience store where he was buying haha, his donuts is not far away from the Nakatoma building where he can actually see the machine gun fire from the rooftop. Don't use up all your ammo on a fucking door, dude. This is literally the only way that you're going to be able to get past them. All right, so we've got the Fabio-looking dude who claims through the fan. He's hauling ass down that ladder. And you're back where you started. Oh, this is going to suck. So Carl's gone rogue. Not a good sign. John, uh, this is going to end so badly, is using his rifle as a point to keep him from falling down the elevator shaft. He's, got, he's using the strap to try to lower himself. He barely makes it. The strap breaks. Unfortunately, the fact that he had to basically ricochet off the ductwork means Carl now knows where he is. Oh, this makes me so claustrophobic. I don't want to watch this. It's when he's crawling through the ducts. I'm not watching. It was very cold this Christmas. It was so cold that my bird bath froze over and didn't thaw. All right, are we over it? I'm pretty sure that this guy has been on the cover of romance novels. So Carl's trying to find him in the ducks. It's like a whole cat and mouse game. He's saved by the miraculous intervention from Fabio guy. Sorry, John, there's no cavalry. All right, so John is now trying to break through the window in Takagi's office. Of course, it's making a ton of noise. All right, so John takes out the guy who's got the perfect head of blonde wavy hair. The one dark haired guy, Marco, is trying to chase him while shooting him through a table. Again, with emptying clips. I mean, seriously, why are you gonna fucking, you, you have limited resources here. You know what would be great is if he threw one of the bodies through the window to get the cop's attention. Oh my God, he did, he did! <laughs> oh my God. He 
actually did. He threw Marco's body out the window onto his car. I liked Ray Rogers too. <laughs> I have friends to this day who use Yippie Kaye motherfucker. Okay, Hans, if you don't want Theo to waste time talking to you, then you should probably stop interrupting Theo. I love Holly. She's a badass. He's a very civilized hostage taker. Oh, now Argyle figures out something's wrong. He's only been sitting there on the phone calling women and drinking the liquor out of the minibar, oblivious to all the gunfire. Well, he's a terrible chief. I feel like a chief should be smarter than this, more willing to listen to his men and more willing to consider all the evidence. Yes, Argyle, you're closed in. You probably should have been paying a little bit more attention to the radio and the gunfire. Man, Theo's not lose his cool. He's still going on that vault and humming. He is impressive. Unlike tech geeks of today, who would be sitting there freaking out, sweating like crazy and losing their minds. Oh, okay, Argyle feels bad. I forgive him. He's young. He's just trying to enjoy Christmas Eve. Hooli's raiding the candy kiosk. Theo's got eyes outside the building, so he's pulling Gruber on what's happening. Oh my god, the chief is an idiot! What did you think was gonna happen? I can't tell if John changed shirts or if his shirt is just that covered in sweat and blood. I feel like them losing one of their rockets and deciding to leave it is gonna come back to haunt them. Alright, so they got a rocket launcher. They're, the LAPD is driving this thing that looks like a tank up the steps. That didn't last long because the rocket launcher took him out. Alright, now what are you doing? He put... Now we've got Geronimo, motherfucker. He just rigged C4 on a chair and that's that explosion seems pretty spread out. It was a brick of C4. I don't know anything about explosives so I don't know what a brick of C4 can do but that was that was pretty intense. Oh wow so not only are they German they're West German. Wow Ellis isn't even trying to hide it anymore he's just flat out snorting coke out of his fingernails on the rock. So Ellis in the middle of them sitting in the lobby, whips out his coat, cokes himself up, and is like, I'm gonna take on this Euro trash. I broker million dollar deals for breakfast. And I'm just like, you are such an idiot. So I'm really hoping that he just goes away soon. Oh Christ, he's an idiot. <laughs> I love Gruber. I don't love Gruber. It's the way he just deadpan shuts this guy down. I wonder how long he had to practice that creepy ass smile. John boy? Ellis calls him John boy. <laughs> so Ellis, the fucking dumbass, is trying to talk John up by pretending to be his friend and he's like, oh dude, you have to tell them where they are. They're gonna kill me while giving Gruber this thumbs up and creepy, creepy ass smile. Also, the cats have the zoomies. Yeah, Alice, you should have kept the Coke in your pocket and your mouth shut. Wow, the chief is so stupid. He had to have gotten this job by screwing somebody. Gruber's just randomly spouting off organizations that he wants the State Department to release from different places around the world. He's on the radio with Deputy Chief Robinson the idiot. So he gave them impossible demands in two hours. I love it when they make people like newsinkers look stupid. All right, so they're dragging Alice's body out, making sure that everybody can see him. Okay, Gruber was so smart. And then in an effort to try to check out something that looks suspicious, he just puts his gun down. Totally plays it off as if he's one of the hostages who managed to get away. Oh, John, you wish he was one of yours. Ellen Rickman's voice has a very specific timbre that is really hard to miss. I would recognize it anywhere. I find it surprising 
that McLean hasn't picked up on it. The FBI agents that showed up are agents Johnson and Johnson. So McLean hands him a gun, totally playing it off like, oh yeah, you should defend yourself, here you go. Hans pulls the gun on him. Hans stupidly neglects to check to see if it's loaded before he tries to shoot John. Of course it's not. And here come the cavalry and Fabio Hare is dead. Ooh, got the knees. Shout out the knees. Oh, that's the worst. I have bad knees that just totally made me cringe. How about you stop wasting your ammo? All they have to do is just wait and let him use it all up. Smart, so Hans is getting Carl to shoot out all the glass knowing that John is barefoot. I remember this scene. Yeah, you're out of ammo. You know why? Because you wasted it shooting at a desk somebody was behind instead of actually waiting until you could see them. Oh, you idiot! You fucking idiot. You just gave the reporter information on McLean's family, which the only reason why she's still alive is because Hans doesn't have that. Ugh. Meanwhile, John's leaving a trail of blood a mile wide. When my cats get zoomies, it sounds like a herd of elephants going through my house. Oh, so Hans funded the FBI because part of their terrorist lockdown involves cutting circuits, which will actually then take out the electromagnetic which will take out the electromagnetic seal that's stopping them from getting into the vault. Jesus Christ. Alright, so they're in the vault. <laughs> so they're in this closed room, right? And the vault's just opened. Ode to Joy is playing. Hans is backlit by a spotlight and his hair is blowing in the wind as if the gates of heaven have opened. And it's such a great shot. Bruce Willis took his shirt off so he could wrap his feet up. I understand. I, he has my deepest sympathy. That's the only reason why I mention it. McLean is confiding in Powell how he should have been more supportive of his wife. And, you know, to tell her he loves her, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's move it on. Oh, my God. Thornburg, every role he plays, he's an absolute and total complete dick. He just bullied Holly's housekeeper, the one who watches hers and John's kids, by telling her that if she didn't let him in, he would report her to INS. Oh, sweet. John just found the rest of the C4. If one brick of C4 took out an entire floor, that much C4 is going to take out an entire city block. Crap. Carl just found John. All right, fight scene. John versus Carl. We've got Carl, who's a Germanic god, who's like easily got six inches or more on John and is in excellent shape and hasn't been chased through a building barefoot all night. And you've got John, who's thrown himself down. Oh, God, Thornburg. Why? You fucking piece of shit. Okay, so, sorry. It, it was a cut that totally got me sucked in. So, Carl's kicking John's ass. He's clearly got the advantage of size and not having bloody feet and not having fallen down an elevator shaft. In the process, it cuts to Hans, who is taking over Holly's office for whatever reason. I don't know why it had to be that one. But Thornburg, in order to try to get ratings and get the scoop, he goes to their house and talks to their kids which tips Hans off to who Holly really is. So Thornburg has now put multiple people's lives in danger because he is nothing better than sleazy paparazzi. All right, we're back to Carl kicking John's ass. He basically just keeps kicking John in the head over and over. Now, somehow John's figured out Carl is dude's brother, the one he killed, the first one he killed. Oh, that's so nice of him. We'll just, you know, lose 20-25% of the hostages. No big deal. Well, McLean's not there right now because Carl took his radio, shot him, and is now still trying to kick his ass. So you should have kept your boy under control if you wanted to lord it over McLean that you've got his wife. All right, they got their bonds. 
I'm gonna load him in the truck. Oh, yeah. John at least checks the gun before he assumes it's loaded. So agents Johnson and Johnson are in the helicopters getting ready to land, do this whole great save the day thing, not realizing that it's actually a booby trap and the roof is loaded with C4. Get him off the roof, John. Poor John. I get it. He's stressed. He's had a hell of a night. Screaming at a bunch of terrified people who don't know who he is when he's running up to them covered in blood, barefoot and bleeding still, waving a gun and screaming at them to get downstairs. Like they don't really have a reason to believe him. And it's no wonder they're just kind of milling about like sheep because they also have had a hell of a night. So I think he probably could have handled that just a little bit better. I understand there was a necessity for haste but still. Unfortunately, the FBI now think that he's a terrorist. God, Agent Johnson is talking about McLean like he's some kind of trophy deer. I'll bag him. Luckily, McLean happened to land by the fire hose. Well, John, what the fuck you're doing is wrapping a fire hose around you to jump off the side of a building. Honey, you should have known by now, Gruber doesn't care about his men if they're gonna get in his way. Ow. All that glass and he hit against the concrete. Dude, you better get that fire hose wrapped from around you. All of a sudden, Gruber's gone from yelling in German to yelling in French. All right, FBI's down. There goes their copter. John's back on the 30th floor. He's in the waterfall. I bet that feels good on his feet. Deputy Chief Robinson continues to be an idiot. The blast has gone down the elevator shaft, but it was nice enough to ding the bell on the elevator before going off. All right, Argyle is still in the parking deck in his limo, right? Well, he happens to see them loading everything into the van. Not only that, he sees them wheeling what looks like emerg an emergency vehicle out of the van. All right, he can hear Holly. Holly is definitely my kind of woman. She's screaming bloody murder at them. McLean has two rounds left. So Theo snuck out to the truck, the truck that the terrorist pulled into the parking deck and disguised himself as an ambulance driver. Argyle just took him out. Just popped the limb into the side of the fake ambulance and then knocked Theo out. Here comes McLean, backlit against Sparks, which is another really cool shot. I don't know what McLean found with the packing tape, but something, he's got something planned. Oh, this movie was so long ago. 600 million was actually a lot of money. Inflation for movies, it would be 600 billion now. Well, get your cowboys right. Hans doesn't know his movie cowboys. Okay, now everyone's maniacally laughing. Well, he used his two rounds really well. Shit, he's still got hold of Holly as he goes out the window. It's so great. Even though you know the shot is green screened, it's still a great shot. Oh crap, Gruber may have been shot, but he's still got the gun. And now he's falling. <laughs> no, no, Robinson, that's not a hostage. Okay, they're making out. He's getting blood all over her. Well, Thornburg's back after being a total waste of space and unethical journalist. Lucy, get off my phone. Holly's back to being McLean. Oh, shut up, Robinson. Oh shit, Carl's still alive. And Al is the one who takes him down. Argyle's just gonna come right through the barrier in the parking garage to hell with it. Yes! Yes! Oh my god, that was amazing! That was so fantastic. Thornburg, or as I like to call him, Dicknos, stops the McLeans to say, now that this is all over, how are you feeling? And Holly just punches the fuck out of him. Ah, oh, that, that did my heart good. That was the spirit of Christmas right there. Oh, I forgot how good this movie is. I am so glad that I rewatched it. I think I'm gonna do this every Christmas. This definitely aged well. Completely stood up to the test of time. The FBI agents are Big Johnson and Little Johnson. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is a great movie. All right, um, 
I'll stop raving about it. So yes, it is on Amazon. All of the diehards are on Amazon. Absolutely worth it. Great for the holidays. Just, yeah. So watch it, enjoy it, and I will be back next week with another movie.